Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Duva. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. Vegas begins a homestand with wins over Calgary and Toronto, but drops the third game to San Jose, 2-1 in overtime. Two steps up, one step back. The Knights have yet to win three straight this season, now into the second quarter, and another home game against Edmonton on Friday. We talk about the good signs and the not-so-good signs from Vegas's recent play. What led to the strong wins? What was missing versus the Sharks? We try to offer some wider perspective on the Golden Knights' inconsistency compared to ups and downs for other teams around the league. We dive into the mailbag and talk developing rookies, leadership, mindset, and more. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now... Here's Dave! Great job by you, Dan, as always. You're tops. I don't care what they say. And they say quite a bit. Glad to be I here, I am David. some guy named Dave. Dave Gosher, <laughs> Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Coming to you from the great Andiamo restaurant of the D Hotel. Our little uh, table for four in the corner. Appropriate, look, we're in the corner. Nope. Uh, can't be seen by anybody, which is a good thing. <laughs> so here we are, the Golden Knights, as we sit here, November 22nd. And uh, three games down, one to go on this homestand. Started off good enough, guys, with really impressive wins over Calgary, where they blew it open in the third period. And then a good one, good win by the Leafs. That was it for Mike Babcock. And then last night, they take on San Jose. And um, be curious to kind of go around the table and get your thoughts on the game. I know, Shane, what we said in real time on television, it just it looked like the Golden Knights didn't have enough guys going in that game, managed to get a point, but certainly wanted more as they try to gain some traction in their season. Really a difficult game to, to look back and, and evaluate when, when I think of that. And especially, so you go to the first two games, Flames, great game. Maybe one of their best all year. Went into the third period. The big question, can they hang on to a lead? They scored four third period goals. The Leafs played a really good game. Kind of got a little loose in the third period. Flurry, of course, three phenomenal saves. One that uh, we'll never forget with the glove. Um, so momentum. Uh, thought they would carry that energy, and I didn't see the same energy against the Sharks. It was a game that was it was not clean. A lot of bouncing pucks, a lot of missed passes, a lot of icings by San Jose. And to San Jose's credit, as a road team coming to T-Mobile, they sucked every bit of energy out of that building the way they played. They iced the puck. They were just very conservative. They didn't generate a lot. Some of that I thought the Golden Knights defended okay, but I don't think San Jose really pressed. They didn't have a great lineup. They don't have a lot up front. And Tomas Hurdle was out. Um, Golden Knights had a lot of shots. Dells made some saves. He was good. He was good. But I, I just don't think they were inside the dots. I don't think they were in that hard area enough for the second and third opportunities to score goals. And to me, a loss is a loss. Yeah, they got a point, which is a big positive. Hopefully they can take that into Edmonton. But I don't think enough guys, and I don't think good enough when they weren't able to beat that San Jose Sharks team. Perspective is everything in in these things, and they've played four games. They played four games in six nights, and the first game wasn't very good in LA. Really good against Calgary, pretty good against Toronto, and then not good enough against San Jose. My question is, did they get out of their you know out of their funk? Like we're we look at things with a with a lens of they haven't been very good. They've been struggling for a little while, so they play two good games and then they slip back. Was it a slip back to the funk, or were they just a little tired? Because there are going to be nights when a team isn't even a good team that is that is playing well isn't going to have have it all on a certain night. And you know, 
there were a couple of players, and I'm not going to single anybody out, but they just did not seem themselves. And I'll be really interested to see how they play against against Edmonton. Gerard Glant gave them Friday completely off the ice, and they're you know clearly he thinks their legs are tired. So giving them a little bit of a break, I'll be interested to see how they play against Edmonton. And I, I just can't help but think about the missed opportunity here when not only a, a Sharks team that was, you know, you mentioned, Shane, without hurdle. Uh, you've got Aaron Dell, who has one of the worst save percentages in the league. He'd appeared in eight games against Vegas previously. The Sharks had lost each of those eight games. Um, here he is. He looked very good on uh, the Knights, as you said, just didn't get as many high-quality chances, gave the puck away too often. But when you step back and think about, well, if they were a team that were, let's say, seven games over 500, what Gary brings up, maybe they're a little tired. Okay, I can understand that. But when you are right around 500 and you've just come off some pretty good wins, what about building upon that? Calgary, then yep. Toronto, they failed to build upon it. Again. And, again, yeah. and they have still not found a way to win three games in a row. And if you consider yourself a contender, you've got to find a way to put together some streaks. That's exactly it. If, they, if This is a team that was favored. First two games against San Jose, they were great. Everybody's talking. They're, they're the class of the West. Well, then you see these teams go and run. Well, New York Islanders haven't lost in 16 games. Yeah. Points in 16 straight. There's no tired excuse there. Nope. The Dallas Stars, was it 10 now? 10 points in 10 yes. straight for them. 9-0-1. You're going to get tired points, but you've got to find ways to play through it. The word consistency, we've brought up every single podcast. And to me, it is not there yet. And that, to me, is all about having the process and the foundation of your game to be able to lean, to, to rely on it when you are tired. You know, we know that... With, we know that if we do these things well, and that's this is the way we play all the time, even when we're not our best, we're still going to put ourselves in a real good position to win. I don't think they've established that. I, and you could call it identity, call it. There's a million things for it. This team, to me, is. I asked Jonathan Marcia so this in the dressing room. You know, how, when you look at your team, are you a contender or are you a good team? You know, and uh, he answered it kind of. He said, "We're a bunch of gamers." He didn't kind of fixate on where are they right now and, and give them a judgment right now. But I will. They're just okay. This isn't... Yeah. Uh, Do know, they have it, the talent to be elite? Yes. Absolutely. But they haven't figured out whatever they whatever their secret sauce is going to be for this group. They don't they don't know what that is yet. And that keeps... that That's holding them back. You talk about the secret sauce. I was interested in how Gerard Gallant termed it the day after the game at practice and speaking with the media, there was no on ice practice, as you mentioned, Gary, but Gerard still spoke to the media and the comparison about year one and how the team had so relentlessly kept on coming. It was a different kind of team. And, and Gerard didn't say that this year's team isn't the first year's team. He, he stopped himself short of saying that, but he was clearly pointing to the positives of how they were on a night to night basis pulling off this magic. That was the word that came out of his mouth, magic. And they're a different team, uh, but they seem not to have that magic, that secret sauce that on a nightly basis they brought. Um, they've, they've got to find where it's on sale. Well, it's interesting, too. You know, Jonathan Marchessault was asked about it, too, Dan, because, you know, now they're in year three, and the, the, the premise of the question was, you know, you started to see some old teammates come back and play against you now with Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and they ran into the Ryan Carpenter recently, and James Neal's going to be here tomorrow with the Oilers. And he was asked about year one, and he said, you know, this team right now presently is the most talented team we've had. 
To which I, I, in my own brain, I said to myself, what they don't have is the attitude and the swagger that that team in year one had. And it, that's hard to replicate because we all know the story of the Golden Misfits and they're all deemed expendable. You can't have that attitude, that team's attitude again. Now here you are in year three where the expectations are this team's going to make a deep run into the postseason. But there is something amiss. You know, you could make the argument earlier, they lost Nate Schmidt in the first game of the year and he missed, you know, 13. They didn't have Alex Tuck. He came back. He got hurt in the second game back. They have everybody, Right. I mean, they're pretty much, they're, they're, they're healthy. Everyone's back in the lineup. You look down the middle and you see Carlson and Stastny and Eakin as your top three centers. Nolsek or Wah, whoever. But they, they have their team, mm-hmm. do they not? Yeah. yeah. So here we are, you know, less than a week away from Thanksgiving. There's nobody that would have ever thought before they started the season they would not win more than two in a row or more than two in a row at home at this point in the year. So, to me... The Golden Knights, when this team was built, when they talked about how they wanted to play, the foundation, compete. Think of year one. Regardless of the score, there was one couple major factors. The compete factor was there. The hardest working team, majority of Knights, was the Golden Knights. They, they, they competed at an incredible level, and you have to, to be successful. They had, as you mentioned, a swagger. Or they were unfazed. Um, and, and that's hard to build, but the, the foundation they had then shouldn't change with the talent. And that's something they've got to figure out because that foundation that they laid in year one was supposed to be something that you want to keep for your organization, how you wanted to build through here, through Chicago, um, and build players up. And can you honestly say they've been the hardest working team every no. night? You know, there's going to be nights when passes are off or you're not feeling, you're not scoring, but the one thing you can control is that compete. How so? You spent a lot of time in Boston. It's not easy to be consistent, and they have the standard there, that, yeah. and they have lived up to it, you know, for a long time. And it's been, you know, pretty same core group of guys: Bergeron and Chara. How do they do it? Consistent, right? They, they know, have. How they, do they get that? Consistency? They have the other foundation. I think when when. You know, obviously you're going to have games where everything's clicking. The passes, uh, the talent takes over. But I think there's some games that will grind of a season. Mm. Sometimes you don't feel right. I think mentally you need to be strong. Because physically you're not going to feel great every game. And your, your your mental toughness is going to carry you through a lot. So you've got to have those foundations or structure that you fall back on. That if, okay, the hands aren't quite right tonight, can fall back on that compete, on on this on our structure of how we play and and grind this game out. You got to win some. You've got to win some grind games throughout a season. John Ferguson Jr., who's the assistant general manager of the Bruins, was here earlier this week, and we were talking about a number of games and uh, and talking about his team. and And I said, "Well, they you know they were pretty good when they came in here." And it and it, it kind of his eyes brightened up, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that was a really good win." And they were behind, and they didn't really have it. And then they found it, and they, they 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 closed the deal. And it's interesting that those are the games. Like this is you know the number two guy in the in the hockey option, number three guy. If you if you go Neely Sweeney Ferguson, he's he's right in the mix yeah. there. His eyes lit up like like there was a pride pride factor. Yeah, this we didn't win seven one. It wasn't Pasternak doing his thing, or you know I mean this was our group. Sticking with it, and when we needed to be the Boston Bruins, we were the Boston Bruins, and that got us to They don't try to be something they aren't. And they know how to win. Yeah. 
right? When it's time, when it really gets down to it, they know how to win. Um, and they've done that, that core group for a long time. Uh, by the way, before we move on here, if you're interested in the uh, Golden Knights Skating Academy, two things. One, it's a great program. Two, you get to hang out with Shane. So, <laughs> so one out of two ain't bad. But uh, be sure to uh, check it out. It's presented by Health Plan of Nevada. And you can begin learning how to uh, skate and enjoy the finer points of the game today. The program's available at three rinks in Las Vegas. Go to the uh, community tab on VegasGoldenIce.com for more information about this exciting program and our rink partners. I guess, you know, and here we are. We spent, you know, a little bit of time here where, look, it hasn't been great the first quarter of the season. What I come back to a little bit, though, Dan, is this team last year, they got on a good run in December for sure, like they did in year one, but they were just kind of okay until they acquired Mark Stone. Right. That wasn't until the end of February. And they won 10 out of 11. And they won 10 out of 11. Now, that took a major trade and a major jolt of adrenaline to that team and a major player in, in, the, in the trade market. I guess my question is, at what point are the real Golden Knights going to stand up? We've seen them here and there, the Calgary game, the first two games against San Jose, I, I would argue, I guess you could say Calgary-Toronto, yeah. where they're two. Anaheim. Anaheim. But in terms of two really good games back-to-back, I mean, the San Jose games are the first of the year. Uh, we're not close. Those are not close games. But it, it seems like we keep waiting, and we see them in spurts, and we might see it for a couple of games, and then they can't, you know, it's a step forward or two steps forward and one back. And I don't know, but hopefully sooner than later. Well, it's an interesting point you make about the Bruins knowing how to win. There is one player who stands out on the Vegas Golden Knights who knows how to win. He wears number 29, and sometimes he wears a cape. Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy (laughs) who knows how to win on this team, and it seems to me when they have won, and whether it's he's flying through the air or when he's stopping Giordano with a toe save in that game when it was only 2-0, he is the guy that seems to realize... You've got to win now. We can't just wait to find our game in, in February. He's the guy who was carrying this Great team. Point. And Marc-Andre Fleury said to me before the game in Detroit, he wasn't playing, was Subban starting, and I asked him about you know, just kind of how he leads, with his play, of course, as an example, um, his sense of humor. But what he, he made the distinction about how he interacts with his team, and he talks to guys individually. It's the one-on-one relationships. That's how he gets something out of his teammates. Rarely does he address the entire group. And it seemed like at some point within the last week or so that he might have done the rare thing of addressing the group. And maybe it worked for a couple of games. Uh, And I don't know exactly the circumstance of who speaks to the team, who speaks to the team um, on a regular basis, who does it when they really need it. Derek Anglin, we know, is the most veteran guy. Gerard Glantz says he doesn't go in the room very much. It has to happen at the right time. You you can only push that button so often. And it looked to have worked. When you win 6-0 against a division rival in Calgary, a team that won the Western Conference Championship, they follow it up against a desperate Toronto team. They found a way to pull that victory off. And as I said earlier, it just seems like such a wasted opportunity that they could not build upon all of that because now you've wasted that bullet. Marc-Andre Fleury said, I'm putting the team on my back. I'm going to talk to the group. I'm going to have some of the best iconic moments of my Golden Knights career. And then all of a sudden, after a couple of games, the team can't put it together for a third straight win. Well, it's interesting too, Dan. And you know, you talked about the leadership on this team. When you look at the moves that the Golden Knights made in the offseason, 
Some of them were cap related, no question, in trading Eric Holla, trading Colin Miller. And Shane, you've touched on this. The one guy they miss big time in that locker room is Pierre Edouard Belmar. Yep. Huge. And the leadership that he would bring, sometimes in a quiet way, maybe if it was called for in a less quiet way with teammates. And that void, hey, look, in a salary cap world, you cannot keep everybody. And I get that. But what he brought to that team on a day-to-day basis, and I'm sure you played with guys like that, Shane, it's it's hard to replace that. Well, the thing, and we talked about the, the foundation they had, there, there's no better you know, spokesperson for it than Belmar, the way he played the game. So you get leaders in a room. There's always different guys. There's guys that play big minutes. There's guys that are the big goal scorers, the power play guys. Well, they can they can prove their worth by goals, and they you know they've got to back it up. It's harder to back it up by scoring each and every game and doing their job. I think Belmar held everyone accountable in that room because they demanded hard work. Well, pretty hard to think of anybody who's going to outwork Pierre Edward Belmar and, and the way in which he handled himself, the way in which uh, I just think he he was a very important piece. But you know, it was something because you said salary cap and good for him. He was getting money, probably wouldn't get many other places, and uh, moved on. But uh, uh, so they've got to find a way. You know, you're going to lose good pieces. You're going to lose certain character guys. You've got to find wills to fill those roles. It's a strange thing because you can't compare professional sport at the highest level to anything else. Like for for example, Gosher has off days. You don't yell at him, right? You don't you don't hold him. No, well, I have. You know sometimes I mean? he does. I have sometimes he gets mad. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it is. It's different than any other any other way of life. That it's you have winning is the the only result that matters, and you have to combine come together to make it happen. And if there's one link in the chain loose, it throws everything off and so you do have this leadership this intangible that you know some people scoff at it's really important and and it, and and it's really hard to understand like seriously like in if you sell cars and you're not you're not i guess the ultimate motivation there is you get fired if you're not selling cars but like it's if you have if you have an off day you don't get called into a into a room with all of your peers and get scolded and felt made to felt feel shame so that you up your game. But that's what that's part of what happens in in professional sport. That whole you don't want to let down your teammates. No, no and without question. And there there's times when you may you know, and you don't want to pass the blame, and and you need someone. That's that's what it, being in a room and being in a character room is all about. Guys understanding. That guy's understanding their roles and not trying to be more than that. It must be great to be part of that. Oh, like yeah. to, to when it when it when it's right when it's the when it's the right. right, and that's motivation. what you realize when you you know fortunate enough to be part of a Stanley Cup team. You real realize how special it is, and how often do we hear about the special room, the connection in year one here? Yeah, like to to go that far. The the chemistry is always good. You play with great guys. Your common goal. But there is really something unique and special that comes together for the teams that are able to drive to that finish. Yeah, and, and it can be taken for granted. When it is there and you're rolling, you might not appreciate seamless. it, right? It, it's seamless. But when it's not there, it does seem to be glaring. And Gary, I think the, the point that you bring up is an interesting one, and I'm trying to think of examples. And it sort of comes to mind if you're in a classroom and you're a student and let's say you perform badly on a presentation you're embarrassed and your teacher might not have much sympathy for you it can it can be tough 
But on the other side of things, if you're in a classroom setting and let's say that there's a, you've got an encouraging teacher who goes from desk to desk and make sure that you are staying focused, that you're not goofing off, that you are staying on task, you're going to perform better. And it seemed that that kind of leadership that goes, oh, to, wow, goes to discipline pretty, goes to. Well said, I don't know man. if that ever worked for Shane, but <laughs> didn't work in school. I never. I guess I never had Carlton a teacher like that. that. But I know exactly. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Great analogy. Yeah. Well, and I think too, guys, and and even in what we do, we've all been at it long enough. Where you know, Gary made the point, like you know, I have off days. We all have off days. We we've been doing this long enough to know. I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I know when I suck. Okay, I yeah, know when exactly. I have a bad game. I can go back and I don't even have to go back and watch it. I can tell in real time. But it's one thing for me to say, you know, that's not good enough, or you know, you, you screwed this up, or that you've got to you've got to be better in this area the next game. It's another thing if it was, all right, you three, and then people above, like, and everyone kind of focused on yeah. your errors. So they hold themselves to a high standard, and I guess that's the point I'm trying to. Maybe we're trying to flush this out. The Internally, and they talked a lot a couple days ago, Shane, about standard. This is a standard we want to hold ourselves to and play at every game. They've had a hard time reaching that standard on a regular basis, right? In the first quarter of the season. Now, I guess as we, you know, we're 20 minutes into this and it's been a lot of they're not what we expected them to be. There's a lot of teams in that boat, and I know we focus on the Golden Knights Calgary, Toronto, Nashville, just Nashville. thinking off the cuff, right? Dallas is kind of a trendy pick. I know they've picked it up lately. They had a terrible Tampa, start Tampa to the year. got going. Tampa. So, you know, who, which teams haven't really hit slumps? Boston, the Islanders, Washington's been consistently good. Edmonton's kind of, they've cooled off. They've kind of alternated wins and losses here recently. But there's a lot of teams that, as much as we focus on the Golden Knights, understandably so, there's a lot of teams that are in kind of that that shaky, rocky boat right now. Well, and it's a quarter into the season, right? This is where teams kind of, and general managers, I think in particular, quarter into the season, they know what they have. Now they really, the evaluation, now they start to really understand their team and understand what needs maybe need to be addressed. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch as it goes forward. This is the time, I think, you need to see these good teams uh, take that step forward. The teams you just mentioned, the Flames certainly... Uh, Going through a lot, five nothing loss to the Blues, our last game, and now, you know, general manager has come out and given a vote of confidence that the the, the coaches are are fine. This is on the players, which it is to me. I'm a big believer. This is on the players. We've seen the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, new coach get a win in their first game. Well, he didn't go in and reinvent the wheel. It's just you know, it's it's like any coaching change. It's a you know, fresh start for some players. And I'm not a big fan of everybody, and especially Toronto. They're throwing. Oh, this this guy's the next coming of, uh, well, you know, Jesus. of Mike Babcock. Yeah, one game. Like, think about. Remember the Babcock press conference oh. in Toronto? Like, yeah. they they gave him eight years mm-hmm. at six point two five million dollars a year. Like, I still don't believe in the Leafs. I don't think you can win with four players making that it, much money. It, it'll be really fascinating to see. Like Kyle Dubas has bet on himself. He's bet on his Mike Babcock. Bet, his, bet on Mike Babcock. His salary structure, <laughs> his 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 roster construction, and now he's bet bet on Sheldon Keefe. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. And I, I my prediction with them was that they would go on a run. He's going to say to Austin Matthews, "You're going to play 24 minutes a night. You know, you're going to get to do all the. You know, don't worry about defending. Go and 
the, the, the word they were using yesterday was play free. Well, that'll work for a while, yes, and it'll work in the regular exactly. season. But it sure as hell isn't going to work against the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. No, I'll be they, curious to see. No, go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say that 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 action by the Leafs is the extreme action if you're having a middling start yeah. or a below-average start. The Golden Knights' actions have been, you know, you have a few transactions. Brandon Peary is placed yeah. on waivers. Nick Wag goes down. You know, Nick Haga solidified himself, it seems, as that last defenseman on the roster, whereas you had Jake Bischoff here for a while. Then there's the change in the lines, right? The, they, they, they turned on the, the blender there, and Pacioretty replaces Marcia So on the first line, and Marcia So, Eakin, and Stone, and then Tuck is back from injury. He's with Stastny and Glass. Fine. Well, those none of those changes are so drastic as to shake up a team, are they? No. no but, but right, well, the next two weeks are very important. So they got one more home game, then two tough road Dallas, Nashville, home for one, and then against Arizona, to, by the way. Arizona, and then. You know, out to the East Coast of New York. Come back after that. That, to me, we're going to know. And I believe they have They have the talent. They have. We've seen the games that they can play. But two things, there's too much of a gap now between where they can be and then the other games you've seen. Yeah. There, there, there's too much, you know, between your good and your okay games. There's too much of a gap right now. So uh, I think they still have it. They, they need to figure it out. And I, think, I think really a win against Edmonton could, could jumpstart them. Quick reminder for you, stop by City National Arena, downtown Summerlin. Bring the family, watch the Golden Knights practice, and learn to skate like the pros. The official practice facility, great spot of the Vegas Golden Knights. Check it out, citynationalarena.com. So, one quick thing, Gary, and you mentioned this, Dan. It starts there, right? This player goes to the American League. This player comes up. This player gets sat out. They've kind of had a rotation a little bit on the on the back end, right? Merrill was out a game or two. Anglin's been the odd guy out. Holden hasn't played the last couple that's where it starts. But at some point, I don't want to say that's low-hanging fruit, but, you know, those are the things you try initially to get things going. So then the point's going to be, all right, Well, this it, is how do you fix it? How do you get consistency from this group? This is where people are going to earn their money, right? And it'll be really fascinating to find out this group got along. Okay, and by this group, I mean the coaching staff and the management staff. They and and the pro scouting staff, they all got along great in year one. They all got along great in year two. Well, this is different. Like, you know, I mean, like this is a rough patch that you look at it and you we're we're sitting here and we're questioning this team. Like, do they have it? Is this a team that could play for the Stanley Cup? I look at the forward group and I say absolutely. I look at the goaltender and I say absolutely. I look at the blue line and I say, I'm not so sure. It's it's a little lacking for me at this point in time, but there's players in the American League. There are players that could be traded. There are players around the league that. So it'll be fascinating to see how the coaching staff and the management group come together right now. Mike Babcock, you know, kind of challenged Kyle Dubas and complained about the the roster and the backup goalie. Brian Burke on the uh, I heard him on a podcast today. He said it was insubordination. As far as he was concerned, the way Babcock would call out Kyle Dubas publicly. And, and and Burke said, he said, when I was a general manager, I would tell my coach, you can call me a moron. You can come into my office. You can challenge me any way you want. But when we're done screaming at each other and we walk out of this office, we are arm in arm. Our arms are linked and we're speaking from the same songbook. 
So now it it, it it gets really fascinating to see. I've said fascinating a few times. Yeah. Uh, how do they? How do they get out of this? How does Gerard Gallant say to Kelly McCrimmon, "This is what I'd like." How does Kelly McCrimmon say to Gerard Gallant, "This is what I'd yeah. like." And can they find a way to coexist and roll the ball forward, or do they end up b- bat butting heads? Uh, I'm betting on the former. Yeah. I got a question for you. See. Lacking on the defense right now, and I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think they, when they play well, it's more as a group. But do you think this, their first year defense that went to the final, was much better than what they have now? Uh, well, uh, when you look at it, I think this one's got you know Shea Theodore. I think we're the steps Shea, Nick Hague's taking. Better. Nate yeah, Schmidt's better. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously so there's so so what is it? Yeah, I think like, it's as a group. You, like you, I put everything on the okay. team, but I, do they, the but game, could they get better? Yes, absolutely. See, no, but like, let's be let's be honest. You're the former player. You 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 do see the game uh, m- much better than than most yeah. people, including me. Uh, so it's just something interesting. Th- there I, is something because uh, we said it. We said earlier. I said, well, if there's one thing they need, I said a top four D. Yeah, and, and, but and, it's easy to say it's the defense because yeah. that's. They've given up a lot of chances. They've right. given up too many goals. They've, and they're, they're one of the they're... least productive blue lines in the National Hockey League yeah. in points and percentage of points. Yeah. And you know the the one player that's not you know that's not there the skill set of Colin Miller. You know the hardest shot from the blue line was Colin Miller. One of the fastest skaters on the team was Colin Miller. I'm not saying that the team made a bad decision in moving on from him, but that skill set is currently not yeah. available. He's a healthy scratch in Buffalo. Right yeah, now. I mean I think it's four assists and no goals. Yeah. So I'm not saying that. They made a yeah. mistake by trading him, but I'm saying that that is the kind of player that they had, and he had a he had a career year that year. Yeah. Uh, but that is those are some of the skills that right now are lacking on the blue line. And to your point, Shane, you know, you say, well, they they need a top four defenseman. And I I'm not disagreeing with you, but it, every team wants one. Who doesn't? <laughs> like growing on exactly. trees, just grow on trees, right? Exactly. I mean, that's you would have to give up. I, I don't really, know what I, you'd have to give up. I really liked what I've seen from the Theodore Hag. So that the, the growth there, and and for the coaches, it it and you as a former player, you know this, that trust does not happen overnight. No, and and to me, you know, this will all. So be, I couldn't be coached. I don't have the patience. This will all be fine if this is the growing pains that they need to. So yeah, that's we a all good said point. at the end of last year when we watched that team lose. We said that team isn't good enough. They've got to get. They've got to grow. They've got to get better. Colorado got better. Dallas has gotten better. Arizona, St. Louis Edmonton. is right back up there. Edmonton, Vancouver, like a, a lot of people made grew. So you got to grow as well. So if this is going through, you know, only playing Nick Hag 13, 14 minutes a night, and giving him a little bit more of a bite as time goes on, maybe that is your your three four pairing, come April or come March. And if that's the case. That Dragalant once again is way smarter than all of us. Because right now, Gary, to your point, by and large, this is the same team that lost to San Jose. They have Glass and Haig going yeah. in the lineup last yeah. night. It's the same team. Yeah. Right. And when Wa when Wa plays, and, yeah. yeah, for but, sure. You know, yeah. on a night to night basis, this is the team yeah. that lost and, to San Jose. And look, and we all love Cody Glass. We're you know what I mean? And we're we're we are able to look over his imperfections because you can see every once in a while. Like the offense of intellect, you know, goes off like the neon sign out in front of the D year. So you, you, and you think, boy, as the season goes on, this guy's going to get better and better. And in February and March, he's going to be a really good NHL player. And, I, you know, I, I, I kind of think the same of Hague. So 
if that's if that is the in, is the reality, and the, these are the growing pains, like they're in they're in a wild card spot today. And if I'm not incorrect, they're they're like two points out of third place in the conference. Like twenty eight points is third place in the conference, correct? They're they're yeah, for all the complaints points. we have, they're still right there. Yeah. yeah. They got 26 points, and if they had 28, they'd be amongst a bunch of teams that are right. looking up Colorado, at San Luis Dallas, and Colorado. Colorado, Dallas, and Arizona all have 28. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and who has 30, 33 is uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, Edmonton, Edmonton has 31. Yeah, so yeah, there's. But at the same time, if you go in the other direction, they'd be in last place in the in the conference. Like that's how tight it is. Not absolutely. only from the middle to the top, but also from the middle. Well, to the they bottom. said a win tomorrow. You're you're three points behind Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody that's run away. You know, especially in the Pacific Division, and 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 hit, and you could be right, Gary. Look, maybe it's going to take forty games. Yeah, like this it is, might. I heard this. I don't know who said it, but I heard it recently. It was fail forward. We're going to fail forward, and if that's you know that that's the going through those growing pains to to, to make a couple players better. And Jordan Glenn has done a pretty nice job taking a bunch of strangers and players that were no good anywhere else and getting them. William Carlson is a heck of a hockey player now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that is that this has happened on his watch. Alex Tuck, Shea Theodore, all, you know, Nate Schmidt has flowered into a really good player. Like Gallant clearly has a touch of knowing how much rope to give a player. Now I think he's ultra loyal and does that, you know, on the other side of it, maybe, you know, does he move a little slower? He doesn't overreact to a bad game from a veteran. That's that that's that we can certainly say that. Does he wait too long sometimes? I don't know. And this is, you know, this is what we're going to find out as this season goes on. This is going to be. I won't say fascinating, but it's going to be very, very intriguing. You're the wordsmith. It's going to be very intriguing. We have to get a a, a count going. It's going to be really intriguing to see where this roster goes. And if, like, Cody Glass and Nick Higg could change this team. You know, like, you look at what McAvoy and Carlo did to the Boston Bruins. Like, out of nowhere, they're, boom, big, big pieces there. All right, I have one more question before we get to the mailbag. Um, before I ask you the question, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. Go to the Foley Family Wine Society Tasting Salon at T-Mobile. Shane and I did this oh, recently. Yeah. Behind Section 17, some of the best wines you'll ever have, right there to be poured in the commemorative Golden Knights wine glass. You can take it home with you. Go out on the terrace outside, which Shane and I did. Fresh air, no smoking, wine, wine. What else could you want? No smoking, yeah. fresh air, and wine. And then there was uh, there's some for, cheese. And in and Vegas, cheese, cheese, crackers, right. oh, whatever you fantastic. want. For, for the record. Do that. Well, uh, the two mice were enjoying the cheese. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> the, was busy on radio. The two rats were upstairs working, grinding it out. <laughs> I know. We were the exhausted. Radio, the radio rats. There we told go. the story. This was the Chicago no game. No busman's holidays for And Duva, it looked like it was going to be 3-1 with Alex Tuck supposedly yeah. scoring. Then it wasn't. And then it went the other way. So Shane and I, well... Let's have another couple of glasses. Yeah. Make it a bottle. Game wasn't going our way. <laughs> All right. Here's my question. And then we'll get to the mailbag next because I know that people have uh, things they're, they want to yeah. get to. So here we are. The Golden Knights are where they are, which if you want to throw in the overtime losses, which, or, which you have to, they have lost more games than they have won so far this season. Okay. As we sit here now late in November, knowing the expectations of this team going into the season, 
what did we miss? What did we not see going into this season that now seven weeks into it, we say, oh, this is why they're not having success on a regular basis. This is why they can't gain traction. This is why they have not been able to build momentum. As you look at it in reverse, you know what I'm saying? Was there something we should have seen that we didn't? No. Because I think when you look at that, the, the, you look at, and I always said, everybody said, oh, your team looked, uh, not my team, but Golden Knights look really good. I said, yeah, well, on paper. Paper doesn't go out and execute. And um, so you look at it paper. I think the, eh, I've used this, it's like Gary, fascinating. <laughs> Consistent. They have not been consistency. And I think Jonathan Marshall said it, uh, talking about it uh, when they didn't skate. He, that has been the big factor. Consistency in the way they play. Consistency uh, in them individually as a team. From game to game, it, can can you honestly know what to expect tomorrow? No, that's what I said earlier. Will it, will a real Golden Knight stand point. up? Yeah, right. Well, yeah, it's at, a good point. At some point, yeah. and, and do they what, have the talent? Do they really? have do they have the pieces? Yes, I don't doubt that. But I cannot honestly say, okay, they're going to play the Edmonton Oilers. Which team are we going to see? Well, and that's my you know I'll turn it to you, Gary. You know, did, did we miss something before the fact with this group? As we look at it backwards now, that we sit here late November and say, "God, how have they, how have they not gone on more of a run than they've gone on so far?" Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, you know, I mean, because I think we said at the end of last season that this 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 team isn't this group isn't good enough to get it done, and I think that you know they 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 did some tweaking, and I think that they you know George McPhee said there's a couple of young players are going to play for us this year, and they are. I just think that like where their growth, I think, is going to be a, a very telltale sign for this team, unless management gets impatient and says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna move a few bodies here, and we're gonna bring some different people in." Yeah, I'll answer your question this way, Dave. I, I think that quite simply, they have not won as much as we expected. Yeah, and that's fair. And yeah. I thought that that they would experience some growing pains, as you point out with some of those younger players, try to figure some stuff out on the blue line. A young D-man was going to join the team. We knew who was it going to be. How would that player's skills mesh with the rest of the group? And here's the other thing. Because we thought they would win more than they have, the thought about putting the cart before the horse, the starting goalie, and the backup goalie, the idea was let's make sure that Marc-Andre Fleury has more rest the trouble is they cannot win unless Marc-Andre Fleury is starting. If it were just a couple of wins from the backup goaltender, we wouldn't be so dire in all of this. Mm -hmm. And Great I think point. that if if they had just gotten a couple of wins from Mark, from uh, Malcolm Subban, we, it wouldn't be such a, a pressing need to play Marc-Andre Fleury. In other words, at the end of the season, yeah, you want Marc-Andre to have you know maybe 60 starts or even fewer. Um, that's great come playoff time. But you've got to get into the playoffs first. And I think because we thought they would be a little bit more successful by this stage, it gets into the heart, the the uh, the cart before the horse, the horse before the cart. Well, my I have, I have one other question about their roster. Yeah. Because then I have a couple of I'm gonna answer my own question, but go All ahead. right. I thought that Zach Whitecloud was the guy that could step into the NHL easiest amongst that group. He's big, he can skate. And he's and he's got some poise. 
Hag, I thought, had a higher ceiling, but I wasn't sure if his skating was going to allow him to, to do it quite yet. Hag is growing, and he's figuring it out on the fly, and I think he's going to be fine and maybe even better than fine. I'd like to see White Cloud, too, and not at the expense of Hague. What like about Coughlin? I'd like to see White Cloud all on this with this group, with Hag, including Hag. Like I think there might be an opportunity for even more growth there. I think the one that's most ready is Bischoff. Yeah. Right. Well, the difficulty right. with all of this, as it was through the first couple of months of the season, which of the veteran guys come out? Because, as we know, Gerard Gallant is quite loyal yeah. to the group that has yeah. been there. So it you, you want to give those guys an opportunity to show what they've got, but they're not going to show you everything in one game or two. It's going to take a while, oh. and you're not going to want to keep a Derek Anglin or a John Merrill out of the lineup for an extended period of time. Concerns I had before the fact were the backup goaltender. No question about it. Were you going to be able to get reliable backup goaltending? So far, that's been hit and miss. Malcolm Subban has been really good in some games. As other games, he's had not made timely saves when they needed them. Was that defense core going to be good enough? As a group, knowing what Gary said, you were at least going to have one new guy break through, if not a couple. But so far, it's mainly Haig has taken the lead there. What you could not have seen was Alex Tuck being injured and missing a good chunk of the first quarter of the season. Two different injuries. Two different injuries. Cody Eakin being injured and having him take time for him to get to his yeah, game. Yeah, you can see that with Tuck now, too. He's not, he's not anywhere near no. where they need him. Last year, Eakin had 22 goals. Tuck had 20. There's 42 right there. Combined, they have three. You know, I talked a little bit with Eakin yesterday and I, because he had scored back-to-back games. And, okay, you know, I trying to, do you think you're getting to where you, you would like to be? And he said, yeah. He said, I'll be honest with you. I probably came back a little earlier than I should have. But the team's struggling. He wants to play. Had a couple of new line mates. There's a lot more that goes into it than I think we would ever think about. So those were things you could not see. And quite honestly, and, and you mentioned, Shane, you know, and I like a lot of what I've seen from the Shea Theodore-Nick Haig pairing recently. But Shea Theodore, it, as offensively gifted as he is, right? And he's he's shown some We're size. The last, the last few games, I've seen it. Has not scored in 20 games. Now, there's a guy that led the Golden Knights in defense core and scoring. What did he have for shots last game? Right. Like, he... He was, his fingerprints have been a lot more involved in these games over the last three or four yeah. than in the first. And again, there's 20. a guy who dealt with a lot. He didn't yes. have a normal off season. And you Testicular right. cancer, had surgery, did, could not do anything till late August. So I think he's just coming on. Right. So all, those things, Theodore, and you know, we knew before the season he had gone through the cancer surgery, but um, you know, he said yesterday or a couple days ago. Couldn't do anything for two months, Shane, but was on the ice only like four times before training camp. Yeah. So you know better than anybody. You get out of your routine in the summer yes. and your workout routine, it throws everything off. So I think those are all things. Some of it you could, you had concerns about, and then some of it, there's no way you could tell that they were going to hit these bumps on the road. All that being said, they win like they do the first two games of the year against San Jose, as in dominant a fashion as they did. Some people are clearing their schedules until the middle of June. Oh, are like Leaf fans. Right? <laughs> when they were playing a San Jose team that was not very good. I'm still not convinced they're very I good. I don't think Despite so. what happened last night. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of uh, flush that out a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, Dave. And, um, you know, I, I'd say on the positive side of things that what we might not have expected, uh, the special teams has been in both categories has been, you know, around the top five Um you know, power play going into the game last night was what top? Uh, si they were sixth on the power play and fourth on the penalty kill. Thought they'd be pretty good in special teams, but they're you know to be at, at that 
in both categories and lead the league in shorthanded goals, too. That's another thing. Uh, you want to get to the mailbag here, Dan? Let's all right. do it. Before we do that, I'll tell you, it's brought to you by the Finley Automotive Group, uh, the great people that we all have great relationships with there, Lincoln, Acura, Jaguar, Chevrolet, uh, Finley Auto Group. Uh, if you want a car, go there. They'll take care of you. They are the best. What do you got? Here's uh, one from uh, Boyd Jackson, and this goes into our discussion about you know the growth of young players. Do you think Cody Glass would benefit by moving, uh, getting moved to the center position instead of playing on the wing, where he had been in the beginning of the year, but then when everybody got healthy, he's moved to the wing? I think he'd feel more comfortable. I think he benefits from playing. A young player needs to play. And I think uh, a lot of people get caught up in positions. Outside of taking draws... When you're in on the four check, there's no position. When you're on a back check, yes, you'd ideally like your center to get down low, be first man back, but that's not always the case. So I think it's good for a young player to learn all the forwards positions. It makes them much more valuable, much more useful, much more, uh, you know, gives a coach more tools as he develops. But the main thing for him, growth, is just playing. And I think, and I said this last day in the broadcast, Cody Glass, like every player, you're going to have ups and downs. I think he's managed his highs and lows really well this year. His lows haven't been too down. Um, so uh, I really like what Cody Glass brings. The work ethic, uh, maybe the number one thing that surprised me about him. For a skilled guy that's gotten by with skill, as he has in junior, he's got a real good foundation of compete and work ethic. And not afraid of the traffic. Yeah. He goes into the traffic. He'll win battles for pucks, um, you know, especially playing the wing. And, you know, Shane's exactly right. I, I mean, that's wing in, in in name only, but doesn't shy away from from the physicality for, you know, a guy that when they drafted him was, what, 179 pounds. Now he's 15 pounds heavier. Uh, yeah, Cody Glass is the least of my concerns as to where he plays and, and who he plays with. I think he's been he's been a bright spot for them so far. Yeah. He's on pace for 15 goals, and he's a – you know, a, a hot streak away from being on pace for 20. I don't think you should be complaining yeah, no. about Cody Glass. Yeah, just had his first multi-point game. Yeah. had his first power play goal. From something that may not be a concern to something that may indeed be a concern, a lot of people have tweeted us asking, including <laughs> R-O-double-B, what's up with the three-on-three overtime struggles? Mm. The Knights are winless in the four games decided in overtime. The two times it went to a shootout, they won. So that's six overtimes they have not scored. What's the deal? Well, last night at least, I'll back up, Dan, to last year. It's 11 games in overtime, right? Going back to last season, mm-hmm. they have not scored since Shea Theodore. Um, Chicago. Chicago, and it's escaped me, the defenseman for the Hawks. It was an own goal, right? He chopped it off Theodore's stick into the yeah. Hawks' net. Um, it's going to sound strange. I was a little encouraged last night. At least they had chances, right? Carlson had two great chances. Schmidt, Schmidt. had a great chance. Um but yeah, they, you know, they lose. The Toronto game was an odd man rush. Um, lost coverage, Montreal. Lost coverage, Montreal. The Winnipeg, uh, I can't remember that, how they lost that one. But they found different ways to do it in overtime. So at this point, the strategy should be get to the shootout. <laughs> no, they need to change things. I, I think they give up possession too easily. I think they, they force. You see teams now, it's more strategic. It's You know, last night we got run and gun. That's going to happen off missed chances because you're, you're, you're pressing one way. If you don't score, pretty much guarantee it's going to go back the other. But I think a lot of teams now you're seeing patient puck possession. If you don't have anything in zone, take it back out. Change, get fresh people. You look for that one. I, I think unless it's a great eight chance, 
You just hang on to that puck now because you don't want to turn it over. And you got to come back and attack with speed. In zone, man on man, they're going to be good enough. You got to come out and try and create an odd man rush with speed. So it's to me about puck possession. And it's becoming, you know, it always happens. You see, coach more and more. Coaches are getting more and more involved. Sir, there's a certain read. There's always a read and react and a high level of skill. You're going to have your skilled guys out there. But I think sometimes they try to force a chance a little too much, and then that results in coming back the other way against them. You can't miss the net in three on three. No. You miss the net in three and three, and the puck's going the other way, and it's usually an odd man rush. you got to hold the puck. And San Jose set, they rubbed off one another, trying to set picks all the time, looking for, for that opening. Strategically, I think the Vegas Golden Knights need to look at what they're doing in three on three. There's a couple of questions that I suppose address the Knights' failure to succeed in tight games. Uh, record of three and eight and one goal games, not good. Um, you know, we've we've already documented the overtime losses. Um, a lot of the media asked today about bad luck. Will Carlson was asked about his luck. I thought it was interesting how he handled it. But the question is, is it more than bad luck when you have so many one-goal games that you're on the losing side? Some of those have been... The dreaded two-goal lead at home, right? Although the Hawks game, I know, wasn't a one-goal loss. I think they lost by two, if I'm not mistaken. But Winnipeg, Montreal. Um, I think some of that goes back to, at times, their lack of confidence in yeah. certain spots in games. I, I, know, I don't believe luck. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, luck yeah. is. You've got to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, and they, you know, and here's the thing. They took some big steps in the right direction in the Calgary game, right? They're up yes. two nothing. Patrick scores. Well, even even the Toronto game, as much as right. they gave it up, like no six scoring right. That that inside a minute flashes later. of what they used to do. Right, shrug it off. Counter, you know, take momentum right back in their favor. So that's yeah, I, I do think that is a concern in, in that when they've had leads, they have let them slip away, but. You know, I guess if you want to play the positive side of it, yeah, I think it's been better as of late. Yeah, Calgary and Toronto, they have been able to to respond to adversity in games better than better they had, yeah, than they had in some other games. Here's a, a specific defenseman question I'll, I'll throw oh toward boy. you. It, it's uh, and I wonder if you can offer any kind of a technical insight here, Shane. This is uh, from Mike H two P O E who asked, "What specifically?" Does one of the younger defensemen, Haig, Bischoff, Schultz, etc., need to do to cement their status as an everyday part of the defenseman rotation? So I'm interested from a really hockey standpoint, what are those things that a, a coach or a manager would look for to say this guy is ready to stay in a lineup game in, game out? Well, they're gonna look at their defense of how they move. I think you gotta be able to skate. You've gotta be able to be you gotta be able to I think their puck movement under pressure. Because everything happens at such a high pace, your ability to think and make plays under pressure as the defenseman is very important. Obviously, defending would, but I think, you know, they all understand that. Skating, um, like Nick Haig to me has come up, he's been reliable, he's understand, he's gotten better at his stick position. He's gotten better confidence to hang on to the puck, not just, you know, get puck back and throw it up the wall. That is not today's defenseman. Today's defenseman is able to get their head up. Take us that half second, realize, all right, make a play, make a move, then make a pass. Um, so I think these it's just development. Well, first off, for everybody other than Kay, hey, the first step would be to get called up um, <laughs> and then it's go a good from start. there. That would be the yeah. start. But to catch their eye, I think they, to me, they are. I, I've liked everything we saw 
And I know it's just Cam preseason. It's a lot different. Jimmy Schultz moves very well. I think him and Bischoff are very similar. Uh, I think White Cloud's similar. Those guys just right-handed. Coglin to me, has got a little bit more of the high-end offensive talent than those other guys, but maybe not as uh, you know reliable defense. I think he was really good. They all skate well. You don't get to, to the level they're at in the American Hockey League or the NHL now unless you can skate. Um, it's a real good crew they have down there. Gary, a quick aside, Dan, before we get to, we have one more uh, question. What's been, do you have you, you're, you're tied into people. Yeah, you're the insider. You're the insider. Sure. What have you heard about the young defenseman in Chicago this year? Is anyone taken, is, is there a lead horse in that race to get the next call up, do you think? Well, I think uh, Zach Whitecloud, when healthy, is uh, uh, obviously probably that guy. Bischoff's, Bischoff's been fine. They're uh, they're going through a real kind of flip there in terms of their roster, and uh, they're having to defend a lot more than they have in the past, and that's been a learning curve for uh, for Schultz and White Cloud, Coughlin, Cloud Bischoff, Coughlin. Coughlin. Co- Dylan Coglin. No, White Cloud can defend, and Bischoff can as well. It's the other guys that are have a little bit more offensive bent to their game that are uh, that are that are learning on the fly about that part of the game. So, you know, they're all young. Schultz is just out of college. Coughlin had a bunch of points last year and clearly can shoot the puck. But there's a a big other part of the game, obviously. It's defensemen. You have to be able to defend first, and uh, the other stuff is a bonus. Okay, thank you. You liked that answer, didn't you? I do, but you also got to be able to move the puck. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, last one. Okay, here we go. Uh, (laughs) No, that's why I was just going to say something, because they got to be able to defend. We just saw two former Norris trophies who struggle at it last night. (laughs) True. They walked out with two points. Here's a last question from Carlo. If the four of you and a Golden Knights player were stranded on a desert island, which player would you rather be stranded with? (laughs) Interesting. Uh, Can I trade Shane? <laughs> it has to be this quartet of people. Um, if the four of us, which player would we all? Pick which to be player? Saying? Do we? So do we have to reach we'd consensus? Need somebody, we need somebody that could do something because we can't do anything. We need a guy that can actually that yeah, can build limited. something, or you know what I mean? Like I think we would uh, need to be entertained. Uh, no, no, we got kosher for that. We're fine. <laughs> well, I think Fla- I think Fla- Flower would be the most fun to be around. Like he 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 would just. Find a way to have fun on a desert yeah, island. It would be him or Nate Schmidt. Nate him, him or Schmidt. Fleury has yeah. told me he can't do anything either. He's just yeah. like us. Is Schmidt He's, good? Uh, Schmidt, Schmidt and outdoors is a farm Minnesota. boy. Yeah. He could, he could, he, he, him and McNabb Shane is the farm hunt boy. and get stuff. He could McNabb, build a couple, a couple of McNabb fires. He could grow warm. stuff for us. Maybe a tent. Yeah. Build yeah. like a little uh, bunker for us. Carrier can fish. He could. Uh, but we only get one of them, though. Does Ryan Reeves get to bring a keg with him? Bring some. Uh, what is it? Seven no, five no, brewing no. company. Product? I have no concern that if there is a need to find booze, that sorry, the other four, the four of us, that's our only strength. At anyone, a couple of people at the table, a couple of people at the table find that. Yes, that we have resources. Resourceful people in that regard. I think Fleury would be fun right. just to kind of hang He'd around. Be fun you guys sure. didn't really answer anything. It's kind of. I said Schmidt. Oh, Schmidt. I, I said his energy. He'd be able to be. be he can't sit still, so you would. We'd be able to relax. Go out, get us some dinner. Yes. Go, go find something for I'm, us. I'm, I'm going to have to side with Shane on Schmidt because I think, A, he's got that, you know, that Minnesota out, outdoorsman part uh, of him, and he is 
funny and, and upbeat. So he's he'd, he'd, he'd be Mr. Everything. I'll throw you another one. I think uh, Paul Stastny is a very good conversationalist. He is well-read, very insightful, and uh, I'd enjoy chatting with Paul Stastny. Oh, that's good. That's a deep one. No, thanks. I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> so, so, so I like Paul. So he's the professor. Yeah. Um, oh, Gosher, yeah, yeah. Gosher's Gilligan. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I'm the skipper, and uh, so uh, Mr. 90s Mr. Ginger Mr. and Duva is Marianne. Oh, is that the lineup? Thurston Howell over there. <laughs> you really? Age you. I never, I've never even seen the show, so I don't know. <laughs> the new show. You should you should check it out. That it, Dan? Is that all the people want to know? Well, somebody also Desert wants Island to know uh, if uh, if you uh, feel that you got robbed of uh, being the masked crooner. I do. Oh, but to be honest with you, that was uh, our friend Shane and I have uh, struck up a nice Mercedes, Mercedes in the mornings. Mix 94.1. Yeah. Mercedes and JC. Uh, JC, two uh, great people. We got to visit with them a little bit earlier today as uh, part of a little uh, you know holiday season. And uh, to benefit uh, Three Square, we stopped and spent some little time. Yeah, but do you feel robbed? I do feel robbed. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think of the woman's name. That, that you, I mean, you have the floor here, Dave. Me. If you need to do some more you said singing, you finished second. I finished second, which this, is I which was is told, first loser, which is silver medal. <laughs> yeah, nobody wins the silver; you lose the gold. Uh, but yeah, I felt like I was robbed because I thought like I did a top-notch job on Suspicious Minds. Oh, did, did, can you do Bing we're Crosby? We're called in a trap. Oh, okay. um, we're getting close to the holidays. So. White Christmas, I like White yeah, Christmas. Yeah, you, can, by, you uh, can do that. All right. Well, maybe uh, maybe for an next encore next time. Next yeah. episode, we'll, we'll take we'll take Christmas caroling requests coming up next. Is that all the people want to know, Dan? That, well, they want to know more. We just don't have any more time. All right, thank heavens. We've run out well, of we time. we got to do another one of these. That was the other uh, thing. We got requests for more. Yes, we've. people would like, for whatever reason, they would like us to do more of these. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> but whatever, we're here for them. All right, so that's it. Uh, Golden Knights coming up. Uh, Shane said, look, in all honesty, a big um, portion of their schedule. Edmonton Oilers here tomorrow night as we speak. Road trip to uh, Dallas and Nashville. Gold Friday game against Arizona, and then it's out to... Uh, the New York area for three. So uh, we will talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Podcast.